Welcome to the Energy Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Today we're doing something a little different. We have Eric Anderson back on our podcast. He is an engineer at Anderson Optimization, and he's going to tell us a little bit about a massive power failure in 2003 that forced the energy industry to adapt and rethink their strategies. Welcome to our Throwback Thursday series. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you do at Anderson Optimization. I'm a software engineer at Anderson Optimization. We develop software for the energy industry. In particular, we focus on solar and renewable developments. Uh, So we're helping renewable developers find good plots of land for renewable development. Additionally, we also help utilities with long-term resource planning helping to identify if they should build new power plants, retire old power plants, fuel planning questions, and other related issues. Cool, cool. So part of our Throwback Thursday series, we kind of just let our guests pick something they want to talk about, something um, that either like happened to them or something uh, a part of their industry that they found relevant and interesting from the past. So what do you want to talk about today? I'd like to talk about the Northeast blackout in 2003. Um, I came upon this as I was doing my research for my thesis uh, at University of Wisconsin Madison. Um, I do research and risk and I did research and risk and reliability issues in the power system. Um, one of the big uh, events in this uh, area is the Northeast uh, blackout in 2003. It was a big cascading power failure, and uh, probably if you lived in the Northeast during that time, yeah, you'd definitely know about it. So. Cool. So why? Let's start off with why you even decided to like research this to begin with. Like, what intri- what intrigued you about it? Yeah. So I've always been interested in the energy industry. It's a kind of like a hidden industry where it's like power. You always expect it to be working. Yeah. The lights just you turn the switch on, the lights work, and uh, you kind of go about your day. But uh, when it's not working, that's the only time when people think about it. So it's kind of like this critical critical piece to our society. Um, and I just think it's super important. And kind of the other benefit is there's a lot of very interesting problems to solve in it. So I, I got started uh, looking into the energy industry. And um, as I just kind of uh, moved through my research, uh, I kind of just uh, pinpointed things that I found interesting and challenging as I went. So what about this one specifically caught your attention? Yeah, so this event in particular was uh, very interesting because so the end result of it, uh, there is over 55 million people losing power for up to one week. Uh, You have six to 12 billion in economic losses from this single event. Um, And this is kind of a lot due to you have a, a major hub of economic activity, New York, without power for five days and uh, society just can't function without power. So uh, it's just uh, kind of uh, interesting to see the causes and effects of this. So what was the, the main conflict or, or the main thing that caused this, uh, this like power failure? Yeah. So and that's uh, interesting. So because um, uh, the event actually didn't occur when the grid is in its most uh, kind of uh, most loaded point. So often there is kind of a peak loading time in the summer. Uh, this is often due to AC load. It's a big contributor to power consumption. Um, But that's not when this event happened. It actually happened in these shoulder seasons. So not directly in this peak load, but close to it. And that's because uh, maintenance is often scheduled for large generators during this time. No one ever schedules uh, things to go out of service during peak loading times, but they might do it in these shoulder times. 
So we had uh, a few large generators out of service. And then we also had weather that was kind of worse than normal. So and worse than normal for the power grid is we have a very hot day and it's not windy. So this means the power lines, uh, they heat up, it's hot out. So there's a lot of ambient heat and then there's no wind and wind kind of has a natural cooling effect on these power lines. When these power lines heat up, they start sagging. Uh, the metal just kind of lengthens and it starts sagging. And uh, once it starts sagging, it's more likely to come into uh, proximity with nearby vegetation. So it might cause an arc and trip the power line. Uh, and many of these kind of events can lead to power line outages. And eventually uh, the system might be destabilized and we get a cascading power failure. So for those not in the, in the industry, what, what qualifies it as a cascading power failure? And, and why was this one, I mean, why does this one stand out, I guess? Was it it's the size that it affected or what? Yep, yep. So yeah, and it just started, it was definitely just the size of the event. This was probably the biggest, well, one of the biggest in the world uh, power outages. Uh, so it's just the, the size of the event that makes it kind of uh, very notable in the industry. Um, and what makes it a cascading power failure? So that's just, uh, it's kind of like a cascading domino set. So when the first line goes out, uh, the power grid's very stable. So uh, like we have very high uptime on electricity. No one's really dealing with blackouts uh, kind of on a daily basis here in the US. Uh, so that first line, it might go out and then kind of the, the grid, the power flows uh, re, re, re kind of orient with this new topology uh, and the power line might come on, it might not, but the grid's really stable for one outage or even two outages. Um, but after that second or third outage happens, uh, the power flows on the lines might be over their nominal capacity. They might be some, in some emergency ratings. Uh, and this means the grid's kind of in a weaker state. It's more likely for future failures to occur. So we have these kind of first few events and they, they change the system in such a way that makes it more likely for outages to happen. So and that's when the dominoes start falling. And at the very end of these cascading power failures, thousands of events can happen within milliseconds. So at the end of this thing, uh, it's like you see in the movies when you see those blackouts, it just kind of sweeps across the city uh, extremely quick. But at the beginning, it's kind of this slow, like these events might take place on an hour or two hour time frame, and then they'll speed up as the grid becomes more unstable. Wow. All right. So and then how long did it last for? Yeah, so the actual power outage or the cascading part of this power failure was about, uh, it, it was less than half a day. And I mentioned these first few events might be hours apart, but at the end, it's within minutes and seconds. But then the effects of the, the blackout ha uh, kind of went on for uh, a week and then kind of residual effects probably went on for much longer. Wow. So what eventually led to this getting fixed or, or, or I guess resolved and getting power back. Yeah. So uh, I think that's kind of an interesting piece. So there is a, there's a, some big hydro dams up in Canada is maybe Ontario. I'm not sure the specifics at this point, but um, there is this hydro dam and uh, they're kind of a very simple machines. You have a lot of this potential energy and water uphill. So that formed the basis of power restoration. So and rebuilding these power systems, very complicated exercise. 
So you kind of have to build it up slowly. You bring online generation. Uh, you want these kind of big generators that are kind of stable to kind of these power oscillations. Um, and we slowly kind of rebuild this uh, power system by bringing on uh, new power plants in an orderly fashion. And kind of this is a very interesting area of research and it's ongoing today and it's how to best recover from these outages. So not all outages, of course, you can prevent. Oh, there's a lot that are based on weather. Um, so how to recover from these in kind of uh, the best way possible is, I think, an interesting uh, topic. Is there anything technology-wise or in general that, that we have today that can stop this from happening again? Or was there anything that we learned from this event that helped us prepare for something like this happening again? For sure. Yeah. So there's a big task force after this happened. So no one wanted it to, to happen again. And they had a variety of recommendations. And I, I kind of alluded to this before. One of the big issues was these power lines were arcing to nearby vegetation and vegetation wasn't being cleared kind of appropriately along these big transmission corridors. So you see transmission lines and then there's often uh, tree clearings on both sides to give ample room to reduce this likelihood. So it was a very simple thing. It's like these organizations, they just had to kind of keep the vegetation more managed. Uh, so they improved that organizationally. And I bring it up now is because there's a lot of new technology to improve this process. So I really am fond of kind of seeing these uh, these utilities using drones to kind of fly along these transmission corridors to to get kind of this real time up to date and very granular view of this vegetation, so we can kind of reduce the reduce the issues associated with that particular one. Um, another big issue during the the blackout was um, neighboring utilities or neighboring operating uh authorities so there's uh these kind of independent system operators um and they operate the power grid so and we had these kind of neighboring balancing authorities and they were actually working upon different assumptions so both these neighbors they kind of thought the power grid was in a different state so no one actually knew if uh like power line x was on or power line y had failed uh, they couldn't even agree on that so and there's been a lot of improvement on just understanding the current state of the power grid and kind of this is just automated monitoring, uh, kind of improved monitoring, monitoring uh, kind of on a faster time scale as well. So those are kind of two things that technology has helped with uh, in these areas. Yeah. So, okay. So I'll, I'll leave you with this. As a, as a leader in this industry, what what do you think is the most important thing to remember or learn learn from this uh, unfortunate event? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of good uh, takeaways from this event. Um, and I think uh, kind of one, one area that I, I always find interesting, um, and it's just kind of the combination that uh, this, this big complicated system, it's not just technology. A lot of these issues and a lot of the kind of who we have to thank for uh, – maintaining such good reliability is the people and uh, kind of organizational aspect of this. So I think uh, it's like kind of pretty remarkable that you can keep this system uh, operational at such a high level um, uh, over time. Uh, so, and then kind of the, one of the other things that always uh, struck me as interesting, and this is actually what I based a lot of my research on at school was um, 
So the power grid is in this uh, equilibrium and it's balancing kind of these reliability events. So we have these big blackouts and they're extremely costly to society, but then you're balancing it with the day-to-day -day economics of the system. So when you're operating the system every day, you want these, uh, you want all of this equipment that you install. So power grid equipment's extremely costly. You want it to be kind of highly utilized in some sense. If you have a very low utilization on these power lines, uh, you're kind of not getting a lot of bang for your buck. So there's kind of these two things that are kind of in constant balance and uh, the power grid reaches this equilibrium and it's not just from technology, it's kind of people driving this equilibrium. So while we keep, keep improving technology to uh, try to reduce the likelihood of these events, uh, you're still in this balancing act. So it, it will be interesting to see if uh, kind of these events go away or they don't, or they show up in different ways. Uh, so this balancing act is something that I've always been watching. Um, and yeah, so over the past 30 years, this equilibrium's kind of stayed the same as uh, technologies have changed. So that's kind of one interesting takeaway I have. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us today, Eric. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was great talking to, with you. Everybody, you've been listening to a Market Scale Throwback Thursday. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.